Happy New Year, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 107. I'm Eva Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently available for streaming on the internet. So you don't have to. This week we'll be talking about the 2015 found footage horror movie, Hell House LLC, which comes to us from Shudder, though it's also available on Amazon Prime Video and Tubi, which we don't include on the roulette, but in case you don't know, Tubi is free for everyone. You just have to watch it with ads. It's ads, so it's like television. Everyone can watch Hell House LLC. With ads. Do you recommend that people watch Hell House LLC, <laughs> directed by Stephen Cognetti? Um, <laughs> well, I wouldn't recommend you watch it with ads, genuinely. Um, there's probably some movies that it's like fine to break up the, uh, you know, break it up with commercials. Mm-hmm. This is not one of those movies, I would say. I think that it like... What there is to enjoy, I think you want one should enjoy um, uncut, uninterrupted, thr- uninterrupted, um, because uh, I don't know if we mentioned this during when we rolled it, but it is a found footage film, mm-hmm. and so it definitely benefits from kind of that immersion. Yes, the suggestion that you are literally putting on like a tape or something that you found that's like, oh my god, what what happened here? Yeah, sort well, of as opposed to like a, a Blair Witch Project. Or something that purports to be strictly recovered videotapes of a horror. I think Apartment 143 was that way. Yes. Stuff like that. This is in the the kayfabe, in the fiction of the film, a completed documentary. Which... Where halfway through, the documentarians uncover new footage that they haven't seen before that ends yes. up being how they tell the story. I think there's uh, some inherent difficulties there. I agree. Um, as happens with a lot of found footage films. I am I will say, I think that we come to this with very different uh, opinions. I love a found footage horror film. I even think most of the bad ones have something to offer me. You are not as much a fan yeah, of the genre. As listeners know, I am perpetually skeptical. Yes. And we've come together on some of them and we have disagreed on others. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Um, one place where I think we do definitely agree and it's a standard that I want all of my found footage movies to have is that there has to, if it's, if it's cut in some way, if there have been edits made, mm-hmm. um, there needs to be a story behind that, that yeah. the documentarians need to live long enough to be able to cut it together or the footage needs to have been recovered and then cut by someone to to express a, a story of some kind and not to get super ahead of ourselves but the ending of this movie does not really suggest that the documentarians were really able to finish their film correct and so i don't really buy that's an issue that i have just coming right in to talk about this movie is that i don't think the found footage aspect is well thought out at all i agree i think that this i didn't give my take i think that this is worth watching if this is your thing. Yeah, if you love found footage and haunted houses. I'm not upset that I watched it. I certainly no, don't feel like I wasted my time with it. I think that its flaws are kind of structural. I think yes. that, like, I have issues with, and I think they're different issues than yours. We'll get into it. I have issues with the way that the story unfolds in in this world. I was actually really engaged with the topic, the subject of this documentary, mm-hmm. the supposed documentary. And I feel like it um, veers away from that in a way that I found unsatisfying. Yes. We should also mention up front, um, this movie has two sequels already. I don't know. Well, absolutely wild. <laughs> what those are about. They might both be Shutter exclusives too. Oh. Um, I wouldn't mind watching them. I'm 
interested because yeah. I think that, again, the core story being told here is like kind of freaky and kind of interesting. Yes. I think that, I don't know, to your point, like, it's really hard to thread that needle of like yeah. making it genuinely, like having real stakes and also having it come together at the end logic. Yes. So can we hop into the plot? Because I think once we start getting into the details of this, it'll make a little bit more sense um, for the listener. Yeah. So uh, on October 8th, 2009, a haunt, a haunted house attraction that people love to go to around Halloween in Abaddon, New York, was the site of a disaster where a bunch of people were killed and everyone was, a bunch of people were injured and... And it's this mis- big mystery forever. There's nobody like, knows why. Nobody knows understand what happened. There's the not town, a lot of survivors. The town isn't talk about it. Some uh, of them killed themselves after, even if they were fine the night of. Like, there's just a lot of freaky stuff. Unsolved mystery stuff about, like, opening night of this haunted house, stuff went wrong. Nobody can really get a clear picture of what happened. I think it's been said is just, like, technical difficulties. Yeah, It's just, yeah. like, the only thing that's ever been said about it. Which, again... To reiterate, is so my shit. Yeah. I love going down internet rabbit holes of unexplained stuff like yes. this, especially when it relates to something like a haunted house. Yeah, and I was gonna say I completely agree, and I think that there it it plays with that fundamental fear. At least I feel like it's fundamental. It's fundamental mm-hmm. to me <laughs> that haunt. One of the things that makes haunted houses so scary is that if you are in it and it's a good haunted house, you may not realize at what point things get bad. Yeah. Like there's a there's a moment where you're like, if I was in a haunted house and I saw a woman screaming, saying, "This isn't part of the act. This isn't part of the show. I'm in real danger." I wouldn't know what to do. It's I wouldn't. The interesting tension of like they're putting on a show trying to upset and scare you. You've signed a consent form to yes. be upset and scared. Like. Where's the line? You you won't know because you won't yeah. know when something has gone wrong. Yes, right. And so there's, I think that's fundamentally scary and. It, it puts the people who work at the house in danger, but it also puts the attendee in danger where you're like, at what point should I fear for my life? If there's a man coming at me with a knife, you know, should I run? Do like, I, I don't know. So it's just like a very, it's a very difficult needle to thread. I agree. And I think it's really interesting. So this movie's about, this movie purports to be a documentary about this haunted house, Hell House in Abaddon, New York, and trying to uncover the mystery of what happened. Mm-hmm. And they have got like talking heads of like, historians in the mm-hmm. area and people who are who have studied it and written books There's about like it youtube videos yeah like from that night like it's it's pretty standard documentary kind of thing um and then they come to an interview with a woman named sarah sarah hovel mm-hmm. who is a survivor who has been uh she was part of the hell house crew the team that put it together and she has been like hiding out and not giving interviews until mm-hmm. now and she's got tapes. She's got tapes that she absconded with, like, like, and the police haven't seen and nobody's seen. And she hands them over to the documentary crew. And the tapes are the bulk of the rest of the movie. Yes, which is, which so, is so weird. <laughs> them documenting uh, in very typical found footage horror form, a group of 20-somethings documenting their experience as... Um, haunted house practitioners right every Mm -hmm. year they do a new haunted house usually in a new location so it's them like arriving at the the house and which is a an old hotel um an abandoned hotel called the abaddon hotel and just documenting a few weeks of them setting up their interpersonal react interactions Mm -hmm. some of them are like childhood friends Sarah is the girlfriend of like kind of the CEO, like owner mm-hmm. of the of the Hell company, House LLC. Hell House LLC. Um, 
And so they've got like a lot of interpersonal drama that's really interesting. There's a lot of like specific loyalties that are tested and I found all of that actually very compelling. I have less of a problem than you do with this with this format, right? Yeah, well, I, ha- I have not yet revealed that this is where it loses me. Yeah. This is where it becomes just another low-budget found footage horror movie that I've seen yeah. a million times. Whereas, like, I think for me, I don't want to be sucked into these characters and their journey in the weeks before um, this tragedy, in part because... I want, I'm interested in the mystery and the way the footage unfolds is really that there's one guy who walks around with a camera instead of working all the time. Yeah. Trying to think about like where this movie could go. Cause I think that you're, you're right. I also want to solve the mystery when we, the first piece of footage that we really see is the survivor YouTube footage that's put up like the mm-hmm. night of, and it's impossible to tell what's going on. And it's like, just very dark and weird and you hear screaming but again like what it's very hard to tell at what point it turns over from normal haunted house into something's wrong yeah. but then you kind of see people who are clearly not in costume kind of running around and it's like what's supposed to be happening here and i think that if this movie were like threading together lots of different videos like that like yeah. we've got this survivor's footage we've got this cell phone footage we've got this footage and they're all in this documentary is just piecing it together that would be so interesting and instead it's like we don't have any information and then it's like here here's here's all the information and then it's like thanks great <laughs> well, i actually think especially in contrast to the youtube video shown at the beginning when the film eventually gets to the night in question, I, I liked that segment of the tapes that are handed over. Yes. Right? I think that's really effective. And I love the YouTube video that now you recognize the people. Yeah. There's that part in the beginning where it's like you see Sarah and she's running mm-hmm. and the person goes, is that supposed to be happening? And then at the end, we in, in the footage that is like the new footage, um, Mac tells her to go get someone and then you see her run again and someone go, is that supposed to be happening? And you're like, oh my God, now it all makes sense. Now the things are finally starting to come together and that has like an excitement to it. But in between, there's about an hour of the weeks of them leading up to them figuring out all the different tricks and and scares that are going to be in here. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say there aren't some real freaky scares that, that tell you that things are going wrong long before opening night. I actually liked a lot of those. It was very terrifying. There's a fundamental tension in between the hangout of these, like just these dudes trying to do this and not like heeding the warning signs and the superstructure of this documentary trying to solve the mystery. Mm -hmm. I think those things are intention. I'm not saying that this is a bad movie. I'm not saying that that tension prevents this from being scary when it wants to be, because I think that it does a lot of things. It does really, really well. Just that I think, I, I don't know how to solve right I, I wish that I had a solution to pitch here yeah it's just that like I left this movie feeling like I was wanting more and you know what there's two sequels maybe I will get what I want in those yeah, two sequels. I, wanting more is not necessarily a bad thing I think wanting I want better perhaps wanting better wanting wanting less less of some things more of other things because I will say what really worked for me um is the like I said the lack of information? Yeah. I don't. I don't like the concept that these documentarians are like, okay, we're here to make this, but we don't really have a lot of information. Like they kind of start with like not enough to make a full documentary, and then the idea that they just get handed like an hour and a half of tapes is like, well, what was the bulk of your documentary going to be? Like that's pretty weird. That like 
where's the rest of it? Where's the, where's what you actually planned for if you hadn't gotten these tapes? Exactly. That doesn't really make sense. And then the tapes, again, like, there's no, they don't cut in between them at all either, really. There's like a little bit of that, like we see Sarah talking, but not a ton. It's just like a big video dump in the middle. And there's strange inconsistencies in the way that this behind the scenes stuff is presented. Yes. Like, sometimes there's like intertitles saying like six weeks to go or something like that. And yes. sometimes there's not, and it doesn't. I don't know. It's just parts of it feel sloppy. And it's not a lot of time. So there's this whole, I don't know. There's a lot of fundamental difficulties with like, how to say this? Like the guy who's filming does not appear to be doing anything else. No. But he also isn't really filming anything of any real value. It's not clear what his or, or if the others are directing him to shoot this footage, what they're trying to document yeah, what here their motive doesn't is. do a good job of documenting um, what, like how they put together the haunt or if, or if he did, that's not what ends up in this documentary. Yes. Which is possible. So but that asks, we have the questions like, about who cut it. Like what's the purpose? It's yeah, just, again, it's just a fundamental tension, but yeah. like it never explains why he's walking around with a video camera. Instead Cause of they working. seem fundamentally annoyed with him all the time for doing it. Yeah. And then it's like, then why are you doing it? And then, so, you know, he's, do- he's documenting it. He's the, you know, the classic character in this kind of movie that's like, he's fucking around and they're like, oh my God, get back to work, man. He's like joking. He's hitting on the girl and the, and the actors that they hire like too much. Like he's that guy who you just like, we don't like yeah. him, but he starts to experience the real haunting stuff kind of first before anybody else. And he buys into it first, which I think helps him be more haunted that he's like, they're preying on his fear almost and his belief in what they are doing. And there's a lot of like ghosty kind of shit. And there's this clown uh, mannequin that keeps getting up and walking around. Let's put a pin in that. So just, uh, I don't want to walk through and recap when the scares are in what order. I don't think it's really important just to set the context. So again, we're watching this footage that has been assembled by someone. Um, and it progresses from them getting there to the abandoned hotel, them finding it creepy. They're living in the hotel. They're all staying in different rooms in this abandoned hotel. Just insane. As they wake up every day and they put together their, they're kind of figuring out as they go. They don't have like their schematics. Like they're, they're planning it. I don't know. a couple months beforehand. Yeah. They experience a bunch of creepy shit. We're going to talk about that in a second. Creepy shit, creepy shit, creepy shit, creepy shit. They ignore it. They decide to have the opening night. And then we see a few perspectives of the disaster that happens yes. uh, on opening night. And then after that, like, there is more to the documentary. Yeah, there's like a I, code of the documentary. I think we should talk about in like, yes, I at agree. the end. Um, but we're not going to recap all the scary stuff that happens. I would like to actually just ask you, like, what were some of your favorite, like, sequences in this? Because I have a few. Um... I love, I'm I'm trying to remember, I don't remember exactly which ones are which. There's a few things with Mm -hmm. the clown mannequin, but they specifically say when they get these, they get these three mannequins, they're all going to sit down in the basement. Mm -hmm. These like three clowns. One of them is very scary. He's got like the blood eyes and a big scary wide mouth. Very frightening. And they specifically are like bummed because this mannequin they got, his his head doesn't turn. It doesn't swivel. It doesn't swivel. And so they show you like the viewer um, like, you know, oh, it's so annoying that his head won't turn. I want all their heads to face this way and it can't turn, so I'll just leave it as it is. But and then, on the night, they're going to have, or and on the night, they're planning for this during more than one night. During the haunt, they're going to have an actor in one of them. Yes. Um, like, in a clown suit and with the mask, like, jump up and do stuff. Yes, exactly. Um, but there's this mannequin and he's really scary. And there's just a couple times where 
Paul, who is the one filming, mm-hmm. is that correct? Paul wakes up in the middle of the night because he hears noises and he goes and the clown is walking around. Yeah, or like turning its head. Turning its like first it was just a turning the head, but then like he comes. It's also like I actually think this is really great the way that it's always filmed, where like if if one of them has the camera and is moving through the house, I never got a sense of where everything was. The only time I ever knew where the things were in this house is that the piano was in the front room because there's some spooky stuff there, and before you get to the basement door, you have to go through that bar. That's so interesting. Um, I would say. Not that I totally disagree with you, because I think that it's effective that it is um, not entirely clear. But I felt like the sense of place of like which rooms were which and which connected to which actually worked really well for me. It worked well. I got a good sense of like. It's a good mix of like, you know, that feeling when you go somewhere and it's kind of a there's a lot of rooms, but you kind of start to get yourself oriented. Mm -hmm. There's a really interesting sense that I trust that they know where they're going. Like, I never fully, truly got it because it's only, like, an hour and 45-minute movie. Like, I was never going to understand this house as if it were my own. Of course. But they get it, and I think that watching them go through it gave me a sense of real place. It's just that when they were in certain places, I wasn't like, oh, my God, that's right next to this room. The only time I ever knew when things were happening is if they walked through the bar, I knew they were about to be at the basement, which was really effective for me because I was always like, oh my God, they're in the bar. Like, that's terrible. Terrible things are about to happen. And one time he comes into the bar and the mannequin is standing at the top of the stairs and he goes, looks down the stairs, looks back, mannequin's looking at him and he just thinks it's one of the other guys playing a prank on him. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the other fun and frustrating aspect of this is that like, because they're all spooky little haunt creators they all assume that they're going to be pranking each other all the time. Yeah. And they do prank each other all the time. So, like, that's also a good needle to thread here is, like, at what point are you supposed to believe that you're actually being haunted when you live with five guys who love to scare people? Like, that's literally your job. <laughs> that's their job. So yeah. it makes a lot of sense that it's, like, when he tries to show them this footage, they're like, ha, 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 who'd you get to do that? What a good prank. Right. That I think works really well. So that stuff was really worked well for me. Yeah, I would agree with you that that's the best scare in the movie. I think anytime that mannequin shows up somewhere it's not supposed to be, it's so effective. Terrifying. Terrifying. There's segments where Sarah is like sleepwalking and talking backwards and like staring at walls and Mm -hmm. in places that she shouldn't be. And I think all of those are really good. There's a really good trivia fact about that, right? What's the trivia? Uh, The trivia is that when she is standing at the wall and speaking in tongues, the audio that's playing is a reversed clip of the actress saying, when I got to the front door, the police were arriving, which I think is like un- something yeah. that I said, but it, it's so interesting that it's like prophetic of that. Mm-hmm. Like that means that there's some weird metatextual, con- like, you know, like there's uh, something going on there. That, yeah. yeah. That she's almost like predicting the future, but backwards. It's like, there's a, I think that's really interesting that's and cool scary. I like that so I love that, but it's really frightening when they see her doing that and she's often kind of just staring off into the distance and she, they, they film a trailer and they're like in a graveyard and she's kind of like looking at this one angel statue for a little too long. Mm-hmm. I think the, a scare that I didn't think was going to scare me as much as it did is kind of Paul's last moment because he gets, um, taken almost he, he gets like he gets well he disappears then when he comes back he's like fully he doesn't talk he's yeah like he's silent. he's done catatonic possessed something but his kind of last moment is that he wakes up a lot 
either in the middle of the night or right in the morning and like does kind of like an early morning vlog sort of thing. And at one point he wakes up, he turns on the camera and we see immediately there's like a woman like sitting against the wall. Yeah. And actually my thought for so much of it was that like it was Sarah. Yeah. I was like, that's too it's too, it's almost too scary. It's like it's not it's not subtle enough for these that the way these movies mm-hmm. usually would be that I was like, that's gotta be Sarah. And then he's so scared. And I was like, no, it's it's, it's Sarah. It's okay. And then like, it just isn't. And it's yeah. really fucking terrifying. And there's a specific shot in there actually, where you see the face of this, this woman sitting against the wall and like the head moves. This is silly to describe, like not in a spooky way, not in a sudden way, not in a jump scare way, just moves in a way that like, it makes it clear that like, there's some, there's someone here yes, and they're, it's not like, a mannequin. they're taking notice of you yeah. um, or of Paul. And I think that like, that's so much scarier than there's a shot right after it where it does like lunge yes. um, at him. And like something about it just feeling like uncanny Valley like, human. It's, just, it's like, just in there. It's yeah. in there with you. And he gets really scared and he goes under the blankets and he's like breathing really fast. And there's, it's that, it's that, it's that feeling that I think is so scary. And this is what it really captured for me is like, the feeling when you're when you're a kid or even when you're an adult where you kind of see something out of the corner of your eye in your room mm-hmm. and you get kind of scared and you're like maybe go into the blankets and then when you peek back out of the blankets it's not there and you're like okay the relief it's fine i looked you have to look at it sometimes to be like it's not there yeah and what he experiences is that he goes under the covers and he like convinces himself that like it's gone or it wasn't there or he imagined it and when he comes back out like it's still there and he goes under again and it's like maybe it won't be there again comes back out she's still there it's like it's very effectively like terrifying that you're not safe there's that safe under the blankets feeling mm-hmm. right and it's like no you're not you're in this house you cannot escape and i think there there's something really terrifying i think there. it does it really well especially again on on this low budget lo-fi kind of thing yes it's a shame we started off with so much negativity because like i think that there's a lot like yeah. the meat of this there's a lot to like really yes. like it's i think that there's like problems in the beginning and problems with the end and all of the stuff in the middle that's good it can get overshadowed, I think. Well, let's actually move forward with that. I actually, to contrast these scares that we're praising in the middle, I think the climax, the the night of the incident, isn't scary at all because it's no. completely unclear what's going on. Yeah. It is because there's no mythology buildup, which I'm saying, there's I'm a saying little, as, a, yeah. as a value neutral thing, it's not a bad thing that doesn't explain itself. I like that it's unexplained still. Um hooded figures start appearing in the house and it's just like wh- what just happened right now well, they explain it cam of people running around they explain it they don't 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 act like they don't explain it they do explain it it's just that i realized later on that every time they started talking about the mythology i like tuned out like about the like the ho- there's, ho- there's there's a hotel like the, it's the abaddon hotel you belong to this guy he was a cultist he's trying to create a portal to hell and they're learning this and they're like, cool facts, we don't care. And you're like, that's going to come back and bite you. So like, yeah, I think they do explain it. And then they're like, yep, portal to hell. Here's the the hooded figures from hell. They're from hell? That doesn't make any sense. Why aren't they cultists? I don't know. They're coming through the wall. That's the thing. That's the only thing I really get from it is that yeah. there's in the 911 call, there's a woman and she's like, they're coming blank, blank, blank wall. Or like there, blank, blank, blank wall or something. And it's like, okay, they're, they're you see the portal at one point. They're coming out of the portal. But it doesn't really explain why or, like, what they want or, like, who they're pulling in and why is there also a possession element? Like, I think that is the part that's not explained. So we talk about the possession stuff, too. So, like, we see more footage. I don't really want to thread the the linearity. So, like, they decide to go to the house. Sarah leaves. Like, we're back with the documentarians. Yeah. Sarah. We're, like, we've seen all the footage now. We've seen the night. 
it's like, wow, what happened? We don't know. Yeah. People Sarah died. leaves. She's like, I'm going back to room 2C if you need me. Uh, I can go lay down. Uh, the documentarians leave. They're like, and she, well, and she sort of is like, why don't you want to go to the house? Like, yeah. that's where all the information is. And the documentarian's like, well, we can't get permits. Like, we've tried so hard. Like, we just can't get in legally. And Sarah's like, why does that, that matter? Like, like, who cares? And then she leaves and you can tell that the seed has been planted and documentarian, who's very much like, she's actually got a big Blair Witch energy. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that I can't remember the main girl in that movie, but the annoying one where it's just like, we're going to find the truth. And we're going to like, Hey, cameras, like get in here. Like we're going to go, we're going to break this down. Oh, don't be such a pussy. Like it's fine. Like she's that kind of person. And you're like, Oh no, this is not going to go well for you. So she, they go, they break into the Abaddon hotel. They explore. They're like, Whoa, look at this is the stuff that we saw in the footage. They go upstairs, they find room two C and it's like, Oh, there wasn't a room two C at the hotel that we're staying in. That must mean Sarah came back to the house. Like, like, wait, 2C? Yeah. What? They go in there. Sarah's like sitting on the bed, facing away from them. Then some hooded figures appear and kill them. Yeah. Well, and there's, and there's like, there's, wait. they're doing this like stuff with the footage where like Mitchell, who they've left behind, yeah, so, is watching stuff where it's like, it's very clear that Sarah is dead. That's what I did. I don't want to like, this is cutting back and forth between them, but like, yes. Mitchell goes back to the, like review more footage and we see more stuff from the, like the night of where we see how all of them die, including that Paul kills Sarah. Yeah. She gets dragged away, and then Paul, like, slits his throat. Yeah, which they mentioned at the beginning. That was actually a really good payoff, was that, like, that's one of the only things that they found was that he had killed himself, and they thought the wound was, well, like, that he had a slit throat and that the wound wound was self-inflicted. So being like, oh, my God, it was Paul, horrifying. Alex hangs himself in the attic. Uh, I don't remember how Mac dies, or the other one, but... Everybody's gone. Uh, presumably a lot of other people die too. They've got the these actors who some of them die in the house and then another one like leaves and kills himself afterwards. So like not a lot of survivors at this night. And it makes sense that it's like, of course Sarah didn't survive. Like, yeah, they, she's dead. But like she's, also they're interviewing this ghost. Yes. So that's the part that it's like, why is it luring the documentarians there to do this? Like, why wouldn't they want to build the legend? I don't know. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. It depends on what they actually want, and we don't really know. I love the camera operator being like, I don't want to go in this creepy-ass room. Like, are you kidding me? Like, after what we've seen? And whatever, Denise or Diane, I don't remember her name. Diane. Uh, The, like, head. Yeah, again, she's terrible. She's She's got that classic vibe. I'm going to go in the creepy-ass room. Yeah. And then again, begs the question. This is what really, really begs the question to me, is like, who cut all this together? Like, presumably Mitchell, right? But, like, right. that means he have to go back to the house to get that the means, footage. That means after the hooded figures and ghost Sarah get his his comrades, uh, he has to break into the house, go get that, and he doesn't get got? Yeah. Or, like, I what? guess if we are really trying to, like, give this the benefit of the doubt, it's 2015, right? Or was is that when the documentary being made? Yes. So, like, maybe it's on the cloud, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like I don't think so. I don't think so. I think that's, like, you know, to, to speak to other better... Um, found footage horror movies that's something that works really well is this concept of the cloud that it's like everything we record gets yeah. sent to this online space which means that everybody has access to stuff even if cameras themselves have been lost I think mm-hmm. that's like very good and I wish that that was a, a plot point here because I think that'd be very helpful in feeling like oh okay that's how we have all this footage is that like it was sent to the cloud and like that's how it was recovered. Not that somebody actually had to walk into this house and get this memory chip. And also, like, how is Ghost Sarah fucking doling out yeah. VHSs? Like, she's 
dead? Yeah. Are they ghost VHSs? How is she carrying them? How does she leave the house? Like, where? How That's, do her I ghost mean, powers extend? No, I think not those are valid meant, questions. It's to not ask. meant to be nitpicked, right? Because like, well, I don't like that those things are unexplained, but I do like that like the growling noises we hear are unexplained. Like, there's, there's a lot, a of lot that I think is fine that's unexplained. But I like that about it. So I agree. It's hard, it's hard to again return to my concluding point there's just a fundamental tension here there's two different kinds of movies this could be yes but i I think that there's a difference between being like i'm okay that we don't have an explanation of what the ghosts want Mm -hmm. like i think that's fine you know i I think it's fine that there isn't some like library moment where they're like oh he wanted souls and then when they do this he gets souls i get it like that's fine we don't we don't need that but i do think there's some when when the character has been dead the whole time (laughs) Yeah. We're, if, we're, if we're doing a sixth sense thing here, it has to make sense. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. We've already, we did already review the sixth sense on this podcast. Um, th- if, if you're going to do that, it has to make sense. And it has to, I have to have been able to pick up on things throughout the movie of Sarah being dead, which like, sure. there is like, she, she tells them um, that she's in a better place now, uh, which is a very well, good true. little euphemism. Which, I mean, she's not, but, like, good good joke. But if I was like, oh, I wonder if she's dead. And then I was like, no, but she's, like, she's got the, you know, the tapes. Like, that doesn't really make sense. But then the movie being like, no, no, she is dead. Don't worry about the tapes. is like, not a good right. use of that twist, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm picky about twists. I, I want them to really follow through on the the conceit you can't just be I like agree. oh yeah she's dead but also she can like still go places and it's basically like she's alive they put a mic on her yes a love mic yeah like uh, uh, i don't know i don't know about that i really like this cast i will say i think that I do they too. all seem like just some dudes i agree they really like sell being just some dudes really well all of them i was like who is this person i've seen them before and it's like not in a movie just on the street because people just look like this it's, <laughs> it's really great it's really good casting i agree completely i don't know i like this movie like we, we come in and it was like i liked it more than i didn't i just think that you know it's got some issues i am really curious about the sequels i'm I wondering was if they thing. solved the problem by like answering the fundamental questions that we have yeah i mean it's possible like that and again i don't need more lore i just need like a few more dots connected yeah if they open it and they're like i'm mitchell i'm the one who connected yeah. all of the dots last time and i got the files because i went into the house during the daytime with the police you know <laughs> like that it's like okay thank you you've yeah, answered I'm my super, questions I'm super interested in that. yeah i agree i i think this is the kind of movie that I find fun to watch because that I, I got scared. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not any great stretch of my mental faculties. You know, I wasn't like trying to put the pieces together and puzzle it all out. Like, it's just fun. It's a, it's a good it's, like popcorn watch. It's indie horror filmmaking, right? Like this yes, is low budget, enjoyable. This isn't big studio garbage that we can nitpick. Like this is people who love horror making horror. And yeah, I sound like a broken record whenever I say that to defend something, but like it's worth it, right? Yeah. Like I support Hell House LLC, even if it didn't all come together. I'm glad he got to make two sequels. Like that's cool. I agree. That's very fun. It's a great. I'm glad that's a franchise. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Are you ready to open a portal to hell and shove this back in? Sure. Would sure. you like to pull up the roulette? I see am pulling her up. What's next? I'm glad you chose that instead of one of the gruesome deaths that I was about to say. sometimes the things we do in these movies are really upsetting because they're kills from the movie and sometimes uh there's some bad deaths in this like bad isn't upsetting yeah a lot of hanging is a lot of suicide which is not great 
trigger warning now. I guess. Yeah. Well, a lot of suicide. We should put one on the, <laughs> the description of this maybe, episode because yeah. we do talk about it um, a bit. All right. Pulp it or let. Let's see what we're doing next. Our next movie will be... Ringu O or Ringo. <laughs> I think it's Ring. Look at the poster, though. It looks like it says Ringo. I think it's a zero. I sure. Think this is the prequel to Ringu. Ring Zero. It is the prequel to Ringu. That's why it's Ringu, Ringu Zero. It's like pre-Ringu. Like before Ringu won, there was Ringu Zero. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh... But the po- but I'll tell you guys, the poster makes it look like it says Ringo. So... It's also confusing because this wasn't directed by Hideo Nakata, who did the like original Ring movies. This is on Shutter, by the way. Oh, nice. And Tubi. You're just like a Tubi stan now. It's just that, like, you know, when we talk about stuff on the roulette, some people don't subscribe to every streaming service that we do for this podcast. And for so, sure. like, everybody can watch it on Tubi. And I think that it's fair that people don't know that about Tubi. There's a lot of, like, premium um, TV watching services and like i get them all confused and knowing that tubi is available everyone is helpful yeah we may need a ring expert to help us sort out what ringo is hmm, do you know i can't any believe ring it experts? says ringo i don't know that i know any um but i'll i'll put some feelers out and see if i can find anyone who like knows anything about j-horror or like the ring franchise in particular like so let's just yeah let's see if we can find anybody mm-hmm our next movie will be Ringo. Sorry. Ringo. Ringu Zero. Our next movie will be Ringo. You hit it here first. The, the horror movie about... Ringo Star. Ringo Star. And until then, you can check us out on our website at nowscreaming.com. And on Twitter and Facebook at nowscreaming. Be sure to leave us a like and a review and a subscribe. Shin. Please. On your podcatcher of choice. We love it. What is your podcatcher of choice? Have I asked that before? Uh, I use like Apple Podcasts, but lately I have only been using Spotify, which we are on Spotify. We are on Spotify. I like Spotify. Not, not sponsored by not Spotify. Not sponsored by Spotify. <laughs> they can sponsor us if they want. <laughs> I would love to be sponsored by Spotify. I don't think they need sponsors on podcasts. People get it. People get it. People know about Spotify. <laughs> Thanks, as always, to Wes Craven and to Daniel Murek and Eduardo Sanchez, the creators of the original Blair Witch Project uh, for making found footage horror something that can be enjoyed by all. Except for Evan Culbertson. I like this movie. <laughs> I like this I think movie. it's like, it's great that it exists for the discussion. Exactly. Like, that and it works for some and not for others. I love it. If they hadn't smashed those doors off, where would we be? We, who knows? So thank you. Thank you. And until next time. Stay spooky. Stay spooky. And happy 2022. It is. It, it's, it's the new year. year.